You don't have to be at Cross Point long to know that missions is in the heart of this church. And this morning, I am honored to welcome and introduce to you two of our newest missionaries. They're here for the first time, but they're already part of our missionary family. You're, they're going to show you a video to introduce their call, their mission, their field, and then Andrew Perez is going to come and preach for us. Would you help me welcome Andrew and Kelsey Perez? different cultures, different religions, and different backgrounds that are a lot different from ours. When I think about the Philippines, I think of the lush green forests, the tropical fruit, huge cities, and people everywhere. There are a lot of similarities. They go to the grocery store, they watch their children, they take them to school, but there are gonna be a lot of really difficult things too. There's a ton of traffic and the humidity is outrageous. The Philippines is located in Southeast Asia, which if you're thinking about it, if you live in the United States, it's on the exact opposite side of the world. It's so densely populated that they're running out of room to build horizontally, and that's why you'll see in a lot of third world pictures that people really are living on top of each other. From the alleyways that they're living in to even squatter villages, there are so many people and not enough room. There are people following so many different types of cultures and religious systems that don't provide life for them. And with all these overwhelming people, I really do believe that this is why God has called Kelsey and I to make a difference. The Filipino people are desperately in search of hope, and we have the hope that they're looking for, and his name is Jesus. God's been able to provide many opportunities for Kelsey and I to serve together, and we believe that this is the season of our life where we are ready to go and make a difference. When we get to the Philippines, we'll start by learning the language and adapting to the new culture, alongside working with current missionaries Lance and Melanie Gocher. In time, we will plant and develop churches all throughout the Philippines. Nothing is too big for God. And so when we ask ourselves, what would God use our lives for? We really have some big goals that we think God can accomplish. We wanna see 200 churches planted in the country of the Philippines. And in doing that, before we die, we wanna see the 30 unreached people groups reached with the gospel of Jesus. We have heard the call of God on our lives to take the gospel to Southeast Asia, and we are saying yes. The Filipino people cannot respond to the gospel unless somebody goes and tells them. And we believe that God wants us to use our lives to take the gospel, the good news of Jesus to them so that they can hear about him and respond in a way that would change their eternity. In Revelation chapter seven, verses nine and 10, we get a look into the future of what the end of the world is gonna look like. And one day before the throne, there will be represented people from every tribe, every nation, and every tongue. And we want to partner with you. We know this really isn't about us. It's about seeing every tribe and nation represented before the throne. So would you partner with us? This is an eternal investment and you can be sure that it will not return void. People here and around the world will be impacted because of your prayers and because of your gifts. There are souls, opportunities, and ministries that are waiting there for us right now. Would you partner with us not only through prayer, but even financially, that we would be able to go now and reach them in time? Good, magandang umaga po. Kamusta po kayo? 
that's about all the Tagalog I know so far. So it's going pretty well. But we're uh, so grateful that you guys are uh, here and that we're here and that we just get to open up God's word. We get to, to see maybe just a glimpse of what it looks like to take the gospel to the Philippines. And so uh, we just want to say thank you. Uh, your staff and your team has already been incredibly generous to us, more than we deserve. And so uh, we just want to say thank you. Uh, my name is Andrew Perez, if you didn't catch that yet. And uh, no applause for me. The real trooper here is my wife, Kelly. Elsie Perez, who's right here in the front row. She's such a trooper because it's easy to stand up here and, you know, do that. But to be eight months pregnant, that smile, that smiley, that beautiful, and man, that's incredible. I'll never understand what that's like to the praise and glory of God. But uh, we are grateful uh, to be here this morning. Uh, we are going to the country of the Philippines. The Philippines is comprised of about 7,000 plus islands, and so we know that there is a great amount of work to be done. Uh, last week, you guys heard a message that was on the why of missions. Pastor uh, Bruce really summarized it into three points. This is really for me. I know you have that message memorized, and you probably looked over your notes this morning, uh, but this is just for me. The first thing, why missions, is that Jesus told us to do it. Jesus told us to get involved with what he's doing around the world, to make disciples of every nation, every people group all around the world. So why do we do missions? Well, because Jesus told us to. The second is that Jesus is the only way that we can be saved. And the third is that it is what remains uh, to be done before the return of Jesus. And so this morning, uh, we have uh, a compressed, allotted time uh, in order to share with what we're doing. I think the only way uh, that it could get a little more crazy this morning is if Kelsey went into labor. And... Uh, she is shaking her head. Do not pray for that. So let's, let's get through this. Uh, but we want to open up uh, God's Word. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 1. We're going to read through verses 21 through 27. But I think what we're going to attempt to do today, as you guys have discussed the why of missions last week, is we're going to discuss the how. Like practically, how does this get done? For there to be believers uh, in Jesus and disciples of Jesus all around the world, it seems like an incredibly lofty task. And so how does it get done? Uh, you might have heard in the video and uh, our kind of life goal, what we want to do with our life in the Philippines is to plant 200 churches. That is that we would be able to uh, evangelize, share the gospel with Filipino people. They would get saved. We would baptize them and then teach them and then send them out to plant churches either uh, in the country of the Philippines or as missionaries into other countries. And historically speaking, we are in a window of time where the Philippines is booming for the gospel of Christ. Many people, I mean, numbers that kind of don't register with us, like thousands upon thousands of people coming to Christ. And so one of our mindsets is, man, why can't this be the biggest mission-sending country in the world? And then of those 200 churches that we pray that God would allow us to see planted, uh, there are about 30 or so unreached people groups still remaining in the Philippines. Uh, if that's a term that's uh, unfamiliar with you, that's somebody who would be born, live their entire life, and then die and likely never hear the name of Jesus or the truth of the gospel even one time. Kelsey and I currently live in Texas which, uh, go Texas, uh, we did not, we weren't born there, and, uh, but we have learned to love it. I got myself a cowboy hat, but I'm not official yet because I don't have boots, 
But uh, we are grateful to be there. But one thing I'm noticing about Texas is that if we walked out of our church front doors, and maybe I spun around until I got dizzy, and then let go of a rock, just threw it, it is likely that we'll hit a church. There are churches on just about every corner of Texas. And when we think about an unreached people group, this is a people group in the Philippines that has no gospel preaching presence at all. And they will likely be born, live, and die, and never hear the truth about Jesus even one time. And I think simply, Kelsey and I just, we're not okay with that. And so we are willing to count the cost of what it takes to take the gospel to the Philippines. And so these are people groups, not just the Filipino people that, of course, uh, encapsulates the entire country, but the Hanu'o'o people of the Philippines. Uh, There is a Japanese population living there in the Philippines. There are the Negritos. There are the uh, Sangil and the Sindhi people. These are specific people groups scattered all throughout the Philippines that Kelsey and I are desperately praying that God would allow us to reach before we die. This is a lofty task. And so just transparently speaking between you and I, if it's up to just Kelsey and I, we can't do it. It's not feasible. It's not possible. But if God is in it and God is surrounding us with faithful churches who are praying for us and partnering with us, then man, I think maybe even this is too small of a goal. And so I'm just praying maybe this morning that we could just dream a little bit together as we think about, now, what can God do in the Philippines? And so we're, we're grateful for, for that opportunity to share with you this morning. When I look at my own life, there are certainly opportunities that I had, especially as I was growing up, that were opportunities that weren't worth their cost. Or or in other words, there are opportunities, uh, uh, chances to do something in our life, and to do that very thing will cost something. So uh, I don't know what it's like here in California, but in Texas, like a carton of eggs is almost $11 now, probably $11 after taxes. If I'm being honest, that ain't worth the cost. Like, I'm not going to buy a a dollar egg. Like, that's just not, for breakfast, I'll have fasting. And, like, I will skip out on the eggs and chorizo that I like. I'm half Mexican, so I half love it. So this is, like, this is a cost that I'm just not, I just don't want to pay that. It's not worth it. So specifically in my life, something that I invested heavily in, that now that I'm looking back on it, man, was not a worthy investment, uh, was to play the sport soccer. Like, if you're looking at me, you know genetically I don't have what it takes to play American football or basketball. So what's left? Well, I'm not going to do badminton. So I guess soccer is what it is. And I loved it. And I realized I was kind of decent at it. And so I poured my time in. I was uh, listening to interviews for these professional athletes. And time and time again, what they would say is if you want to make it, you've got to be willing to pay what nobody else is. You've got to wake up early, and so I did. I lived in Arizona. If I didn't wake up early, I would melt in the sun, and so I would wake up early. I'd run to the field. I would, I would do drills when nobody else was there. I would, I would like invest all of my time so that maybe I could make it. And what do I have to show for that? Well, I have about a box that's yay high, filled with medals and awards that will collect dust, go up on a top shelf in my closet. They're probably still there right now, but eventually they'll be thrown in the landfill. It was a heavy cost that wasn't worth paying. 
And I'm embarrassed to say, I wish that was the only area of my life looking back that I was like, man, I, I wasted that opportunity. But there are, there are plenty of more, there are more opportunities that I, that I wasted that just, quite frankly, weren't, weren't worth it. But man, what we get to read about this morning is even though our lives are filled with opportunities that aren't worth the cost, we will read about a cost that is worth giving our lives to. And I think you're a church that understands this. You don't like just stumble upon half a million dollars given to missions. Like This is a church who is purposeful about their giving and their living. And so we get to look at an opportunity presented to us by Jesus that is worth the cost that we would pay. So let's read this passage. Uh, Philippians chapter 1, verses 21 through 30. Paul begins by saying, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which I will choose, because I'm hard-pressed between the two having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. And convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all of your progress and joy in the faith, so that your reason for boasting may abound in Christ Jesus in me through my coming to you again. Only live your lives in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear about your circumstances, that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, contending together for the faith of the gospel. In no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them, but of salvation for you and that too from God. For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake having the same struggle which you saw in me and now here to be in me. Let's pray and ask that the Holy Spirit would help us to apply this to our lives. Father, we are grateful that we have so much access in many different translations uh, to your word. We're reminded of people, of people groups all around the world who have yet to even experience your word in their heart language. And we know there are places that still need the gospel of Jesus. Would you help us by understanding the heart of your servant Paul and especially the life of your son Jesus, that the Great Commission is a heavy cost, but it is worth paying. We pray that you would do a work in us that only your Holy Spirit can to help us to make one step closer towards you or one commitment deeper to the Great Commission, not for our gain, not for our name, because that's a cost that is not worth paying, but for your name alone. Would you help us to understand your word, and would you hide me behind your cross today? And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we see up here in the first verse that Paul, he's making an incredible claim. Like for him, all of his life, the center of his life, the reason he does everything he does is because of Christ. And if we're looking at my personal example, or maybe as I was sharing, one popped up in your head, like you could fill that blank in with anything. Or for me to live is blank. And I've found, just personally, you guys are way more spiritual than I am, but personally, every time when I say for me to live is Andrew, is it a heavy cost still? Yeah, but it, it's not worth the cost that I would pay. It always ends up empty. It's never a good return on my investment. And Paul understood this. 
I mean, to maybe a degree that we may never, is that to give your life to Christ, to make Christ the center of everything you do, is a, cro- is a cost worth paying. And Paul doesn't write this uh, kind of like, oh, well, I kind of have one foot in, one foot out. He's writing this from prison. Like this is Paul's prison letter to the church of Philippi. And he's putting the, his money where his mouth is. He's, he's showing that, man, I made a choice to live for Christ, to, to progress the gospel, to take it to countries and areas and people groups that it hasn't been yet. And what was the return? Man, he, he went to prison. He was beaten in some instances. Man, this is an incredibly heavy cost. But I think the beautiful thing for those who are followers of Jesus, that it's a win-win scenario. If we make our lives all about Jesus, progressing the gospel, sharing our faith, telling others about Jesus, sending people all around the world, or maybe even ourselves going, that even if it ends in death, man, that's a win as well. Because we get to be with God forever and for eternity the one whom we've made the center of our lives. And Paul understood this very well, and this is the heart of his encouragement to uh, the church at Philippi, is that when we consider this letter, we should be both assured and inspired to attempt great things for Christ and for his mission, but not living oblivious to what it may cost, but understanding it and then following through with it anyways. Because even for a follower of Christ, if death comes, which if you think about it, man, that's the worst outcome that could come here on earth. It will only be gain because we get to be with God forever, for eternity. Then he goes on. This is a very real uh, experience and, and message that Paul is sharing. Uh, helps us to understand maybe the humanness of Paul. Sometimes maybe we put him on a pedestal that's a little higher than uh, he's actually feeling because he says, But if I'm to live on in the flesh, that will mean fruitful labor for me, but I'm hard-pressed between the two, or I do not know which that I will choose. He has a desire to depart and to be with Christ, and that is far better. So oftentimes, our faithfulness in this life brings about difficulty. And I'm grateful even from a young age that what was drilled into my head is that following Jesus more often than not, is not the easier choice. It, it's more difficult. It costs you. I mean, it, it costs your finances. It costs you sometimes even relationships. It costs you your career. It costs you, like, if you follow Jesus, you're submitting everything to him. And when you do that, difficult things still come. Maybe you would never say it out loud, but you've got like difficult people in your life or difficult situations where if you were being honest, mate, you never said it, but you thought it, man, it would be nice to depart and be with Christ. Like, man, this is, this is tough. And that's just, that's so real. Like to live for Jesus will bring about difficult situations, difficult circumstances, especially if we think about some of our brothers and sisters in countries where Christianity is illegal. Quite literally, to live for Christ could mean death. But I love what Paul says here between those two choices that he has, to depart and be with Christ or to remain. He says in verse 24, yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake, or it's required. 
See, to have spiritual progress takes a physical grind. Or if we put it another way, for the gospel to go out, that requires real and tangible sacrifice. Like we shouldn't just think of half a million dollars as like, oh yeah, that's like, like this is people who legitimately sacrifice their income. They could have done with it whatever they wanted, but they chose to sacrifice and to give it, to pay a cost so that the gospel could go out. Spiritual progress takes a physical grind or a physical sacrifice, but it's a cost that is worth paying. And I pray that if we get nothing else, that what we would remember from this message this morning isn't our name or even where we're going, although that would kind of be helpful. Like what we should get from today is that to participate in the Great Commission, so the gospel going to every nation, to every tribe, is worth giving our lives to. Because we'll get to see an eternal reward. We will get to see every tribe, every nation represented before the throne. People who were there because we sacrificed. We gave the greatest we could and God used that in order to rescue people. We'll get to worship with them for all of eternity. But right now is the time where we press in and we make the sacrifice. And Paul is convinced, I think, that this is a cause worthy of giving our lives to. It says in verse 25, And convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that the reason for your boasting may abound in Christ Jesus in me through my coming to you again. Only live your lives worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of your circumstances, that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, contending together for the faith of the gospel. The beauty of the Great Commission of sending people to maybe a foreign field uh, to share the gospel, to make disciples, is it's a partnership. Just as much as missionaries desperately need churches, churches need missionaries. Like, if one is absent, it doesn't happen. Like, we, we can't just decide one day, oh man, we're, we're just going to go and it's going to be free. Ministry doesn't cost anything and we'll just, like, that's not reality. Ministry costs something. And so in order for a, a missionary to do what they do, they need the support of local churches. But could we just, like, dream for a second? A, quite by, a quote by D.L. Moody says, the world has yet to see what God will do with the man fully consecrated to him. Like what could God do with somebody's life if they were fully, 100%, their entire life devoted to Jesus and to getting his gospel all around the world? I mean, that's for an individual. What if an entire church was unified together not for our own individual gain, not for our name, not for us to do, but united for what does the, the scripture say? For the faith of the gospel. A church that's unified and passionate for the gospel and the Great Commission will have worldwide impact. This is what I love about following Jesus. Our return on our investment will always be better than what we put in. 
Like there's nothing that we'll sacrifice here on earth that in heaven we're going to look God in the eyes and say, you shortchanged us. Like this is what I get. No, it's going to be so much greater. The reward will always outweigh what we gave here on earth. But there could be some of us. And I, I, this, my own life, I've wasted many opportunities. We could see that we could have had more or more people maybe could have been represented before the throne if we would not have wasted our time, wasted our life or wasted our finances or wasted our talents. But I think everything that we give will not be regretted when we get to eternity. In verse 28, in no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a, a sign of destruction for them, but of salvation for you, and that too from God. For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same struggle which you saw in me and now here to be in me. This is what we were talking about. Paul, he was advancing the gospel, one of the greatest missionaries in history. And his life showed that oftentimes it would bring about difficulty. That even being faithful to God, there's a high cost that needs to be paid and oftentimes it looks like suffering. And this isn't going to blow your mind. I know I'm not sharing anything that's new to you, but it's a great encouragement for us to know that followers of Jesus follow Jesus. Like it's, it's pretty simple. So if we're looking at the life of Christ, which is exactly where Paul goes in chapter 2, he talks about the life of Jesus because he's the greatest example we have. Jesus' entire life was given sacrificially to seek and save the lost. And so if we're going to be Christians, followers of Christ, we ought to follow Christ in the same way. Knowing that belief in him and his sacrifice alone on the cross was enough for us to be saved. Man, that is an incredible, incredible message. But now, to live, with, live for Christ will cost us something. For Paul, it looked like imprisonment, being shipwrecked, beaten. We may not face that. But if we do, what, what is it going to cost us? Because Christ is our perfect example, and he shows us, by example, how to sacrificially live so that the gospel can go out. To live like Jesus requires a life that is full of faith, given over to God, which includes paying a cost so that more people might know about him. Jesus, this is what I love the most, especially looking at my own life when it comes to taking the gospel somewhere. Jesus honors simple obedience. Kelsey and I will be the first missionaries in our family. Like, there are so many questions we have. Like, we don't have this lineage that we can follow after, but we're just saying, God, uh, we're not anything special. But we're just saying yes. Like, we know that there is probably somebody more qualified out there. Maybe somebody who already knows Tagalog. Maybe somebody who is used to living in a culture that's not their own. Somebody who has, uh, maybe has, a, I don't know, a home there. Or like, you could orchestrate somebody who is maybe more worthy or, or more uh, qualified, and yet God is choosing to use us. But that's an incredible thing, even looking at our spiritual lineage, is we stand on the shoulders of those who have gone before us. I mean, this church, the college I went to, I mean, 
even for the gospel to get to me, somebody had to share it with my parents. And this is an incredible beauty, is that Jesus will use anybody who is willing. So just as much as we have opportunities in our life that aren't worth the cost, that if we're just putting it honestly are a waste of time and a waste of life, Jesus gives us a purpose and a cost that is worth paying. The Great Commission, to take the gospel all around the world, this is worth giving our lives for. And so to summarize it into three simple points, there are three costs that must be paid for the Great Commission to be accomplished. Or in other words, there is one complete and final payment and two pending transactions. The first is, this is the cost that we could never pay. Christ paid the cost so that the Great Commission is possible. For sinners like Andrew Perez, who've messed up, who've gone my own way, who have worshipped other things other than God, to now go from an enemy of God to a child of God, that's the work of Jesus. For there to be hope for the nation, for there to be uh, the gospel being relevant for every people, for every tribe, every tongue, every nation, is Jesus paid the cost that we could never Jesus paid the ultimate cost so that we could know who he is. And now we get to join in on what he's doing all around the world. That's the first. Jesus paid the ultimate cost. The second cost comes uh, from missionaries. Just being vulnerable with you guys, this is, this is difficult. Probably a lot harder than what we anticipated. Especially now with a baby on the way, you think about all of the things that you could potentially be missing out on, on Birthdays, weddings, or siblings having their children of their own, or, or Christmases, or graduations, but it is a cost that is worth paying. And just like Jesus paid the ultimate cost, and missionaries must go, they must sacrifice, also the local church must do so as well. And I, and I don't say this just flippantly, because I know with every dollar that goes to missions, it's representative of a life that is sacrificing for the cause of Jesus. And so thank you. But I, I think you share the same heart as I do. We're not done. Instead of letting our foot off the gas, it's time to press in because now more than ever, the world needs the truth of Jesus. There are about three billion people with little to no access to the gospel. And so in light of those three costs that need to be paid, I leave you with this question. How much are you willing to pay so that the gospel could go further than it has been to reach people groups that have yet to be reached with the gospel of Jesus? And what does that look like practically? Well, maybe you're, maybe you're going to go. Maybe you're like Kelsey and I, and, and we don't have anything flashy about us. We don't have a lineage of missionaries in our family. All we have is all we need, and that's Jesus and the gospel. And we're just saying, yes, God, would you use us? Maybe this morning you would say, you know, I, I'm actually done chasing after all the dreams I have for my own life. I want the gospel to be known in these unreached people groups or in a country that I've never been to. Maybe you would go or maybe you would send. I think one of the most powerful prayers you could ever pray, parents in the room, is, God, would you use my child? Or maybe if you're a grandparent, God, would you use my grandchildren? And the scary part about that prayer is God might actually answer it. 
And there would be sacrifice that needs to be had in your own family. But is it worth it? And lastly, maybe you would go, maybe you would send, maybe that's your children, grandchildren, or even financially, but I think all of us should pray that the gospel, as Carl Henry says, is only good news if it gets there in time. There are people waiting to hear about Jesus right now. So would we go, would we send, and would we pray? The cost of missions is an incredibly weighty cost, but it is a cost worth paying. How much will we trust God and pay ourselves? Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for your goodness. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending your son. Thank you for making it possible for somebody like me to be saved and adopted into your family. Father, we pray that you would send more missionaries out of this church, that you would have us sacrifice and press in further as we examine the cost that needs to be paid, not for our own name or for our own kingdom, but for yours. We're grateful for all that you've done for us. Help us in response to live a life worthy of the gospel that we've received. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.